Welcome to the New Hope Podcast. Our mission at New Hope is to engage our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. We pray this message encourages you in encountering God's love and displaying it to your city. We hope to see you soon. Numbers chapter 6 is known as a high priestly blessing. We read it often during our benediction, a part of the service. And so I want us, and I'm excited to unpack. And so if you would turn to Numbers chapter 6, as you're doing that, what does it mean for God to bless us? What does it mean for us even to talk about the blessing of God? You, you may have heard, and within Christianese language, if you will, we talk about the blessing of God. We might even simply say to someone else, blessings, I pray that God blesses you, or something along those nature. You may have heard someone say, God must have blessed you, and they refer to something in your life. You know, for example, we often think of blessing along the lines of prosperity, and we see that as part, uh, partly true in Scripture, and we'll look at that, and we'll think through those things, but oftentimes, we use blessings in a lot of different contexts, and then even us as Christians, we don't fully understand what does it mean for God to bless us, and so tonight, I want to look at that and walk through that, but we understand the blessing of God, whatever it is, we'll, we'll figure that out, hopefully, but whatever it is, we recognize in Scripture It is the most coveted thing in all of Scripture. I want us to get this. The blessing of God is coveted above everything else in all of Scripture. Specifically, we saw in Genesis how Jacob would lie, deceive, and steal to get the blessing of God. Specifically, get the blessing of the covenant from his father. And so it was that big of a deal that he ran the risk of cursing So the opposite of blessing is the cursing of God. So cursing is this idea of death. Blessing is this idea of life. And it is so coveted that Jacob risked curses in order to get the blessing of God. It is a big deal, and we might better understand exactly what it means. And so Numbers chapter 6, I want to read verses 22 through 27. And if you have a Bible, specifically the English Standard Version, or one of the Bibles in the seat back in front of you, we're on page 114 there. Uh, Would you follow along with us as I read this together? Numbers chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. If you have your hand out tonight, we're just going to define blessing. And the fill in the blanks is one sentence to define blessing. And we're going to fill in the blanks by asking five questions tonight. And we're going to go quick, but five questions. The questions are this. In reference to the blessing of God, what is it? Why is it given? Who is it given to? When is it given? And how do I get it? So again, first question, what is it? Why is it given? Who is it given to? When is it given? And then how do I get it? Question number one, what is it? What is the blessing of God? I want to take you all the way back to our first week in the first day of the one you're reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, is when we see God bless mankind for the first time. And in that, Genesis one twenty seven, it said, And the Lord said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And the Lord God created them, both male and female, he created them. And then, Genesis one twenty eight says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature or every living thing that moves on the earth. Fill in the blank is simply this. Blessing is the guarantee of life. Blessing is the guarantee of life. Let me unpack this for you for a second. When we look at Genesis 1.27, the image of God, we talked about there are two things that we must process of what that means to be in the image of God. First, it means that we bear the characteristics of God. So what God is in absolute, we are finite in. So meaning God is omnipresent, which means he's in all places of all, at all times. That is an absolute statement, but we are finite, meaning we are not in all places, but we are in some place. God is all-powerful. We don't have all power, but we have some power. See how what God is in absolute, we are in part. So to say that we're in the image of God means that we are in part, we bear His characteristics, or at least certain characteristics. But for our point tonight, we've got to understand that when Genesis 1.27 talks about the image of God as it relates to Genesis 1.28, it has to do with dominion more than characteristics. So when we look at Scripture, Scripture is the story of a king and his kingdom. And God is king over all of his creation. And when you think about what does it mean to have an image of God, what does it mean to have an image of a king, you got to think back what would happen in other times in the past is when a, when a king would conquer a land, how would he say he has dominion over that land? He would put an image of himself on valuable things in the land. So, for example, we see in the New Testament that the money of Rome has the image of Caesar. It's a statement that Caesar is reigning and ruling. Or it's a statue in the center of a town saying the statue of the king is the one that is reigning and ruling. So an image of the king was was representative of his dominion. We do this today with flags. A flag is raising over a property, over land. It talks about what country or people have dominion over that piece of geography. So it's that same idea. So when we are created in the image of God, that means that God created everything. We are in his kingdom and we are an image of his kingdom over all of his creation. So to be in the image of God and then for him to say, bless them and say, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It is a blessing of multiplication so that we will multiply his image over all of his creation. Now, when we say that blessing, what is it? This is often the most misinterpreted part of blessing, this question, what is it? For us to define it, that it's a guarantee of life, let me kind of give some argument to that a little bit. One, it's a promise of fruitfulness. Guarantee of life, it's a promise of fruitfulness. Just look at verse 28. He blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, there were two major curses that affect Adam and Eve. When it came to Eve, the curse of that she would have difficulty in childbearing, and for Adam, it would be difficulty in the work of his hands. And when we see God bless all throughout, so specifically the language of God blessing, when you look at just Genesis alone, it always has to do with God blessing and bringing about offspring or blessing and bringing about prosperity in the work of your hands. So give a couple of examples. 
When it said that specifically Abraham and Sarah, when she was unable to have a child, it said God blessed her and she bore a child. When it comes to Jacob talking about how he went from nothing and working for his father-in-law and was in that sense a bondservant, it said that in his time God blessed him and it multiplied the work of his hands. When we look at Joseph in Egypt, that it was the blessing of God that brought about the fruitfulness. So the point is, is that when we look at what is it, it's a promise of fruitfulness, but it's more than just a promise of fruitfulness. It's an achievement of that fruitfulness. Look again at Genesis 128 in comparison to Genesis 122. When we look at Genesis 128, we read it like this. God blessed them, and it's almost like it's a hard stop. That's part one. But part two of what God did is then he gave them a command to be fruitful and multiply. And we've, we often read, be fruitful and multiply as an imperative, which it is an imperative, but it, we also see it as like a moral command. It's something we can or cannot do. It's a choice of ours whether to be fruitful or multiply. But in context, that's not at all what's happening. Look at Genesis 122. Genesis 122, God is speaking to the animals of the sea and the animals on land. And he says the exact same thing that he says to mankind in verse 28. Look at verse 22. Genesis 122. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Here God is speaking to the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. They are creatures that are perfectly obedient to God's command. They do not have the ability to disobey. Therefore, the imperative here is not a moral command to them, but it's an imperative of guarantee that this is going to happen. And it's specifically, the blessing is the thing that achieves what it promises. So when God in Genesis 1.22, to bless the animals is the promise and the guarantee that they will be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. The same is true in Genesis 1.28. The fact that God blessed them, the blessing is the imperative. The blessing is this promise and guarantee that you will be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. When we look at Genesis chapter 6, after sin came into the world, we see this in Genesis 6.1. Man began to multiply. See, when God blessed, sin did not affect the multiplication. It affected them multiplying God's image, but it did not affect them multiplying. But we actually see in Genesis 6, 5, that they multiplied wickedness. Point is, multiplying was never an option. The fact that God blessed it, he promised and guaranteed that multiplication would take place. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was learning to ride my bike, I before I you know, rode on my own, I had... Uh, um, the, the safety wheels, you know, that you, would, that you would screw on to make sure you didn't fall over. But you had this moment where you began to transition off of those protective safety wheels. And so I was trying to learn, and I was so scared, and I was, you know, I was so afraid of falling. And, and my father, my dad would come along beside me, and he would say, Jonathan, just pedal. I promise you, you won't fall. Now, if he just spoke those words, that's just wishful thinking, right? He, he can't just the words in and of themselves don't give me all that confidence. But the fact that he stood behind me and had his hand in the seat, he was saying, Jonathan, pedal, you will be safe. Why? Because I'm in a place and a position to guarantee what I'm telling you is going to happen. Now, it's not a perfect illustration, but when you and I speak to one another and bless, it's wishful thinking. But when the creator of the universe blesses you, it's a promise 
And it's a, it's a guarantee that he will achieve that promise. So what is it? What is the blessing of God? It's a guarantee of life. Now, now we get the guarantee part based off what you said, but how do you get life out of that? Well, here's why. It's because God blessed, and due to sin, two major curses came on Adam and Eve. What was it? It was the fruitfulness of offspring and the fruitfulness of prosperity with the work of our hands. When God blesses someone after sin, it is always a reversal of the curse of sin, which is life. The major curse of sin was death, but when God blesses, it's the reversal of the curse, which is life. So what is it? The blessing of God is a guarantee of life. Second question, why is it given? Why does God bless to begin with? Because it's not just a reversal of sin, because we see blessing before sin. So what is, there's a purpose even beyond just the reversal of curse and blessing when God blesses. So what is it? And for that, we've got to look once again at Genesis 127 and 28. Now we're going to get to number six, I promise. We've got to understand some things first. So why does God bless in Genesis 128? Here's why. It goes back to the idea of dominion. That when God blesses and he desires for the, his image to multiply over all of his creation, because when God's image multiplies his dominion over all of his creation, it brings him glory. When we look at other blessings even after sin, for example, Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abram to himself, eventually Abraham calls Abraham to himself, he says, I will bless you and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's giving the purpose to the blessing. I am blessing you so that all other people will be blessed. Psalm 67, 1 and 2 says this most clearly. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. This goes back to number six. We'll get to that in a second. So that your way may be known on all the earth, your saving power among all the nations. So why is a blessing given? A blessing is the guarantee of life, blank number two, for the purpose of God's glory. Here's where we often can misunderstand question number one as it relates to question number two. Because if we answer question number one, what is it? It is God pouring out blessing of fruitfulness and prosperity. And if we don't understand question number two, we can just take the answer to question number one and we can create a false theology that says that the blessing of God will always in turn bring about earthly prosperity. And this is the false theology called the prosperity gospel that says that God blesses you so that you can have all these things here on earth. And therefore, if that's true, then that means if you don't have all these things, then you're not blessed by God. So you can be blessed by God by doing this, 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 and this. But if we understand question number two, why the blessing of God, we understand that even in earthly blessing, the purpose is never just for our consumption, but he always blesses us for the purpose of multiplying his kingdom over his creation for his glory. Which is why in the New Testament we see passages like Matthew chapter 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The point is that now the image bearer, the display of God's kingdom on earth is the church and our multiplying to make disciples of all nations, all people groups, is once again a fulfillment of Genesis chapter 1 where we multiply his dominion and his reign and his glory over all of his creation. 
How do we see the guarantee in this? Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And listen to this. You will be my witnesses. Not, you might be my witnesses. I hope you'll be my witnesses. I command you to be my witnesses. But it's a guarantee. This is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be testimony. You will be image bearers of me. To where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The blessing of God on his people in the New Testament, specifically in the coming of the Holy Spirit, guarantees the fruitfulness and the expansion of his image over all of his creation for his glory. When we begin to think about the blessing of God, what is it? It's the most coveted thing in all of Scripture, but it's not just for our consumption, it is for his glory. So what is it? It's a guarantee of life. Why is it given? For the purpose of God's glory. Question number three. Who is it given to? Who is it given to? Genesis chapter 1, God makes a covenant with Adam and Eve. And in that covenant, He blesses them. We've talked about covenant. We talked about the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15. We talked about the covenant in Exodus 19 and 20 with the Israelite people. We're going to talk about the covenant with King David when it comes, and we'll see the covenant God's made with us. But the point is, anytime God pours out his blessing and speaks a blessing, who is it given to? It is given to his covenant people. Right? It is given to his covenant. It is given to those people who he has called unto himself. This is why at the end of Jesus' life, he would say, Luke 24, verse 50. And he led them, Jesus led his disciples out as far as Bethany in the church. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. God blesses his covenant people. Why? Because to be in covenant relationship with him means life. And blessing is a guarantee of life. To be in his covenant people means to be blessed by God. Who is it given to? It is given to God's covenant people. Question number four. When is it given? Look at Numbers chapter six specifically. Numbers chapter six is a priestly blessing that the priests would pray over the people of God after their worship service. This was their benediction. It is speaking of goodness over them. Benediction, speaking good. It's a speaking of goodness and blessing over them. That's what benediction means. And so they would speak it over them at the end of their worship service. Now I want you to look at verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. When is it given? It's given at the end of the worship service. Now, that's only partially important. But what that tells us is vitally important. That in the Old Testament, what was their worship service? Their worship service where they gathered the people together and they would make sacrifices for the atonement of their sins. And it was only after sacrifices were made that a priest could speak the blessing of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So here's the point. Blessing is the guarantee of life for the purpose of God's glory given to the God's covenant people through the grace of Jesus. Now we're going to make a leap for a second, but let me see how grace is played out even here in Numbers chapter 6. Look at verse 25. The Lord make his face shine upon you. 
Now, we've got to understand, Moses is a part of this conversation. Now, you've got to think about some things that has already happened in Moses' life. For example, Exodus 32 and 33. What happens in those passages? The people of God broke their covenant relationship with God by sinning against him by creating a golden calf idol to worship. Come on, right? They do this, and because of that, they break the commandments, and God says, you know what? I will no longer be with you. Right? His presence is the blessing there. And he says, I will no longer be with you. And so Moses goes up and pleads with God, please stay with us. Please stay with us. And he calls upon him. And God says, okay, fine. I will be gracious to you and I'll stay with you. And then Moses says, okay, God, show me your glory. Right? God gave this blessing of forgiveness. And, and Moses here is getting greedy in a good way. And he says, show me your glory. And, and God understands that what Moses is saying is, show me all of your glory. And God responds, I can't do that. I can pass in front of you and I'll show you partial glory. But if you saw my face, you would surely die. Why? Because you are unworthy to see my face. You are unholy. That grace has not been fully atoned for. You cannot see my face. So imagine in this moment where Moses is hearing God say, speak over the people. May my face shine upon you. Moses is going, that can't happen. That's not possible. Specifically, when we look at at prophets who recorded the glory of God. So, for example, there's three places that come to mind. Ezekiel chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 6, and Revelation chapter 4. All three of those give a description of the glory of God. What is missing from all of those descriptions is the face of God. Because none of them saw the face of God. To see the face of God was to be in His full, complete presence, to see His full, complete glory. It was the greatest blessing in all creation to see His face. And Moses is hearing God say, speak over the people, make His face shine upon you. And Moses is going, not possible, except for what comes next. And grace be upon you. It is only through the grace of Jesus that we are able to come into the face and the presence of God. And to be in the face and the presence of God is to receive the grace of Jesus. This is the picture that we cannot fully be in his presence. This is why King David would cry out, Lord, you have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. It's always a call. It's always a cry to see the presence and the face of God. So in this moment, this is the greatest blessing that God can say is to turn your face unto me. Blessing is the guarantee of life for the purpose of God's glory, given to God's covenant people through the grace of Jesus. So how do I get it? How do I get this blessing? If you would, just flip with me to Ephesians chapter 1 for a second. Ephesians chapter 1, for me, is the clearest depiction of all that we have talked about. And it's recognizing that it's only through the grace, it's only through grace that we are able to see the presence of God. How do I get it? You can't earn it. You you can't go and buy it. You can't give enough. You can't do enough good deeds. There is nothing you can do to receive this blessing of guaranteed life except through grace. And here we see in Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to see the language of blessing coming from a Jewish leader. Paul writing, Ephesians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints, God's covenant people, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord's face shine upon you so you can receive grace and peace. 
He says, grace and peace upon you. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Even as he chose us. How did he bless us? He's going to describe in verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. See all the language from our definition of blessing being played out here? It is for his purpose that he's done this. To uh, Look at verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He put forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, In Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You see what he's saying there? It's a guarantee that the blessing of God on your life in Christ Jesus and given to you the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. It's a seal of the promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. To summarize, what is he saying? That in Christ Jesus, we have been blessed with the guarantee of life for the purpose of God's glory. And it's been given to us a part of this covenant people through the grace of Jesus. Do you see what blessing means, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that through the grace of Jesus, that we have everything? Now, I want you to look at Numbers chapter 6, verse 27. So they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, remember, as we Think about the story of Scripture. There are four major acts to the story of Scripture. Think of a play, Acts. The first act is God created all things, Genesis 1 and 2. Act 2 is that mankind rebelled against Him, which is called the fall. Genesis, the end of Genesis 3, all the way through Revelation uh, chapter 20, we see what is Act 3, God's redemption. And then Revelation 21 and 22 is God restoring all things perfect. I want you to look at Numbers, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 22. Verses 3 and 4. No longer will there be anything else accursed. Now remember, curse is the opposite of blessing. Blessing is the guarantee of life. Curse is the guarantee of death. And in sin, we were guaranteed death. But through God's redemption, He's created all things new. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. Listen to this. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Do you see that this is a fulfillment of the blessing of Numbers chapter 6? Numbers chapter 6, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may his name be written on you. This is the blessing. So when we read Numbers chapter 6, it is a promise, it is a guarantee that God has given us through the grace of Jesus. He has given us the fulfillment of this promise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. His face is the fullness of His glory and His presence. It is the greatest blessing. He be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, which in Hebrew is the exact same word for face. So it's the Lord lift up His face upon you and give you peace. The blessing is tied to the face of God. It is a guarantee through the grace of Jesus that through grace we can come into the presence of God. And we sing this, or excuse me, we say this at the end of worship services because what we're saying is everything we just sung about Everything we just read about in Scripture, let it be so. Because it has happened, we can confidently pray or speak the benediction that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. I want you to grab your song list again. And we're not going to sing this, but we're going to meditate on it again. I honestly can't think of a song that better communicates the blessing of God than the song, It Is Well. Let me tell you the story of the song, It Is Well, if you don't know it. It was written by Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford was obviously a worship leader, a hymnist, but he was also a businessman in Chicago. He was a very wealthy businessman that was a real estate investor and lost all of his investment through the great Chicago fire. All of his, all of his earthly prosperity literally was burned up. He went on and had some difficult times in the days ahead, and so he was headed over to England to be a part of a revival and help lead worship in a revival, and so he sent his wife and daughters on ahead because he had to take care of some business behind, and so they went on early to have a little bit of a vacation, and so they got on a boat and went across the other side without him. He got a telegram, just a simple message, simply communicating from his wife that there's been an accident The boat has sunk, and she is the only survivor in their family. He lost all his his earthly prosperity. He lost all of his children. And when he was on the boat over to go meet his wife in England, he wrote this song. I want us to read the lyrics and see how this ties to the core of what we're talking about in blessing. When a peace like a river attendeth my way, Now, we only receive the true peace through the blessing of God. So when peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Now imagine, he's on a boat on the sea, passing over the place where his daughters perished, and he's riding like sea billows roll. This is very real to him. This isn't just poetic. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. With my soul. He goes on in other verses to describe why it is well. He says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance, notice what he's saying here, let his blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his blood for my soul. He's saying, No matter the fact that 
earthly, temporary blessings have lost me. Though my earthly prosperity has gone, even though I'm in great sorrow because I have lost my children, I am able to have peace because Christ has shed His blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Not the bliss of sin, but the bliss of what He's about to say. My sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And in verse 4, he's referring to the fulfillment of the blessing in Revelation 22. And the Lord hastes the day when my faith shall be sight. When's the moment that our faith is sight? When we see His face. When we are in His presence and we see His face. O Lord, haste the day. Would you bring quickly the day when my faith shall be sight? When clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. This song lets us see the core blessing. The blessing of God is always, even in earthly, temporary prosperity, is always for the purpose of the advancement of the kingdom and the glory of God. But even more than earthly blessings that will pass away is the eternal blessing of knowing That Christ, when we were dead in our sins, that Christ died for us and made us alive. And so the greatest blessing is to be a part of His covenant people, to be in His presence, to see His face, and that is through the grace of Jesus. That we are able to, when we speak blessing, it is to say that through Jesus, and because we have put our faith in Jesus, that no matter what happens in this world, we are able to say, It is well. Peace, like a river, attendeth my way. Question is, do you have the peace of Jesus in your heart? Are you at peace with Jesus? See, it really is this simple. Is that you are either under the blessing which guarantees life, or you, because of sin, still are under the curse which guarantees death. So the question, how do I get it? How do I get this blessing which means eternal salvation, which all of it is found in Christ? How do I get it? Ephesians 1 would go on to tell us in chapter, or excuse me, Ephesians would go on to tell us in chapter 2 that you get it by the grace of Jesus through faith. That when you and I were dead in our trespass and sin, Christ made us alive with him. He raised us and seated us with him. By grace you have been saved through faith. How do you get it? You receive the grace of Jesus. If you're in here tonight and you would say, you know what, I'm just exploring this this Christian thing. I'm just exploring what does it mean to walk with Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be a part of His covenant people and to have every blessing in Christ. This is what Scripture would say. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. It's a promise. All that God promises, all that God blesses in His creation is found in Jesus. May we not just seek prosperity here on earth. And I pray that prosperity does come into your life, whatever that may be. But for us, those things are temporary. What I want, what my heart longs for, is the blessing that is found in Jesus, which is grace, it is peace for all eternity, where I'm in the presence of God. Do you know that grace? 
if you're in here tonight, you would say, you know what? I am a believer. I, I know that I am part of his covenant people. I know that I have received the blessing of God. And I just want to encourage you, would you rest in the peace of God? I know that there, the world throws things at us. I, I'm not saying that losing all that financial, like a fire and losing all your investment like Spafford had, or even losing, God forbid, you lose the mo- those that are precious to you. I'm not saying those aren't sorrows like a sea overwhelming us. But what I am saying is that the grace of Jesus gives us a peace that overcomes those things. And so I pray that no matter what external storm you are in, you are in an eternal peace in your heart. Why? Through the grace of Jesus. Would you pray with me as we just meditate on this truth for a second? We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can email us at info at newhopeny.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for those outlets is New Hope NYC. Our website is newhopeny.org. If you are in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 164-2 Gothels Avenue in Jamaica, Queens. We're praying for you and we hope to see you soon.